So Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we acknowledge that we have need. God, I pray that you would take my stumbling lips and that you would set all that aside. And Lord, through your word and, and through the power of your spirit, that you'd open our eyes and help us to see what your word says. Uh, Lord, I pray that, that in looking at the world of Genesis 6, that it would be a warning for us in these last days. God, help us to be wise. Help us to be discerning. Uh, Lord, help us not to fall for the lies that are manufactured. Lord, we want Christ to be glorified. And so, Lord, help us to be people who are, are careful to, to trust you for the reality of your word over our lives. We don't want to be caught up and carried away by, by um, fairy tales aren't the right word uh, because, because uh, these fairy tales become reality in the lives of some people and it's so dangerous. Lord, help us to be not deceived. Lord, I pray for the, 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 the giving. It's a privilege to be able to worship it's a privilege to be able to come together and, and study your word, but Lord, I, I thank you for the members of MBT and the opportunity that we have to just partner together with you and, and to steward our time and our resources all for your glory. And so God, would you bless the offering and would you bless its use for the work of the ministry around the world? Lord, would you bless my brothers and sisters that our conversations would be edifying we come together today to provoke one another to love and to good works, to see every member built up so that they won't fall for false teaching, the, the winds of false doctrine, that we would be mature in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray your blessing over my brothers and sisters that, that we'd all be edifiers today. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you didn't get a handout on your way in, you can raise your hand and, and somebody from the Connections team will hook you up with hard copy. Just keep your hand up till they find you. Uh, otherwise, you can get the digital notes off of our website uh, or the Facebook or YouTube links. All right, Genesis chapter six, we're looking at giants. This will be bizarre, <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. First, let's look at verse one and we see the multiplication of men. That's what goes in your blank, multiplication of men. Verse one says, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, daughters were born unto them. Okay, at this point, the planet's population would have been huge. Dr. Henry Morris calculated that if Adam and Eve had six children and each of them had six children, of course we know they, they likely had more, obviously had more, and that each generation required 90 years, and obviously they lived longer than that, but if each generation required 90 years, and that if only one previous generation were alive, now it's not uncommon to have four or five generations alive at the same time today. He says if all of that, you take that into account, at the time you get to 2,000 years of human history, the population of planet Earth would be just over one billion people. Now add to that, no sickness is mentioned, up to Genesis chapter six. They live long lives. Most people are making past 900 years of age. Uh, what that means is an actually much more massive population. You know that we only reached a billion people on planet Earth at the beginning of the last century. 
that we just got to that point at the beginning of the last century. See, the population of Genesis 6 was probably very close to the population of our last days, and that's the point that Jesus makes in Matthew 24, verse 37. As the days of Noah were, Noah being a, a New Testament rendering of Noah's name, but as the days of Noah were, so also, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And so there's gonna be a lot of similarities between the world of Genesis 6 and the world before Christ comes to rule and reign for a thousand years. And, and so it would be, you know, we're a population of seven plus billion, rapidly approaching eight billion people on planet Earth. Uh, it's easy to come up with those same numbers in Genesis chapter six. So everything's going good, but then something goes wrong because when men begin to multiply, sin starts to compound. Sin is your next blank, and so we'll see why. Point number two, it's because there are marriages from hell. Uh, no married people say amen right there, just be careful, okay? But sometimes a marriage can be from hell. Look at verse one, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Notice that these sons of God take. They're not asking for hands in marriage. They took the daughters of men as wives. And the result of this unnatural relationship is giants in the earth. Verse four says there are giants. They're mighty men, men of renown. So the big question on the floor then is this. Who are these sons of God? What is their identity? And what I want to submit to you is we will find that these sons of God that are taking daughters of men, these are rebellious angels. That's what we're seeing here in Genesis chapter six. The phrase sons of God shows up five times in your Old Testament. You'll see it three times in the book of Job and twice here in Genesis six. And all of these references will point to angels these sons of God, remember these sons of Elohim. This is standing in contrast to the statement that we saw in Genesis chapter four. You get down to the end of Genesis chapter four and you see men begin to call upon the name of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Anytime you see that in your King James Bible, that's a shorthand note for you to recognize it's actually representative of the formal name of God. This is Jehovah, this is Yahweh. So they're calling on the name of Jehovah. Well, these are sons of Elohim. This is the unipearl name for God. And, um, and, and so it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's got a little bit different connotation. So these sons of God, they're taking daughters of men. So there's no equivalence in verses one and two, right? Genesis six, one through two is a single sentence. What you're seeing is a contrast between the daughters of men and the sons of God. There's, not, there's, there's a difference between the sons of God and men in this same sentence. In Genesis 6, 1, men are having children and they're contrasted with sons of God in verse two and that gives the clear implication that these two are not equal. They're not equal. Angels are greater in power and might. Okay, they're not equal. So pay attention to the words of scripture. What is a son of God? Okay, I'm a son of God. Are you a son of God? How many sons of God do we have in the house this morning? 
uh, for some of the ladies, this might be awkward. We're talking about sons of God in terms of the plurality of humanity. So we're talking about mankind, humanity, okay? Women are included in this category, sons of God. If you believed on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're part of the sons of God. How many sons of God in the house this morning? How many women feel weird about raising their hand to the phrase sons of God? You know, it's just, it, but it is what it is. You're, you're, you're a child of God. Here's what I want you to get. This is what I want you to see as we look at these passages. Sons of God are always, without exception, direct creations of God himself, without exception. Adam, in Luke chapter three, verse 38, he's called a son of God, why? In Luke 3.38, you see the genealogy of Jesus. He was the son of, who was the son of, who was the son of Seth, who was the son of Adam, who was the son of God. Why does the Bible call Adam a son of God? Well, he's a direct creation of God. God formed him from the dust of the ground. He created and he made him. He breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. God puts his life in this body and Adam becomes a living soul. And in Luke 3.38, he's called the son of God. He's a direct creation of God. The angelic host are called sons of God. In Job chapter one, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. In Job chapter two, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. Talking about creation in Job 38. Job, where were, you, where were you when I put the world together when the angels saw it, right? Look at verse seven, Job 38, seven. Where were you when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Angels will be likened unto stars in your Bible. You'll see that connection between them when you study scripture. In Revelation chapter 12, you see Lucifer in his rebellion Lucifer is that dragon, he is that great serpent, and what happens? In his rebellion, he draws one-third of the stars, one-third of the host of heaven follows after him. So an angel in your Bible is represented by a star. Uh, We have a city in our nation where stars live. It's called the city of the angels, isn't it? Where's Hollywood? It's in the city of the angels, Los Angeles, right? Los Angeles, okay, so there it is. Uh, Angels are likened unto stars, but they're also called sons of God. Why? Because angels, no angel had a mommy, when when a mommy angel and a daddy angel love each other very much. No, that's not how you get angels. God created them. They, They are a direct creation of Jehovah. There are no men You and I were not identified as sons of God until John chapter one, verse 12, when it finally became possible for a lost man to get the image of God restored in them. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, that which was lost in the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam, he created him after his likeness and his image. And then when we see Adam having a child in Genesis chapter five, what happens? Adam's likeness and image has been corrupted by sin, isn't it? And so the Bible is very clear to say that Adam has children after his own likeness, after his own image. So that image of God was lost in the Garden of Eden. Well, it's restored at the, at the foot of the cross of Calvary. New Testament, born again believers are called sons of God. John chapter one, verse 12, but as many as received him, as received Jesus, 
To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Romans 8, verse 19, talking about the sons of God being glorified with Christ for the earnest expectation of the creature. What's creation looking for? It waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Here is God's command to you. The word of God says in Philippians 2, verse 15, we're to be blameless, harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. 1 John 3, verse one says, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Anybody feel God's love this morning? Blows my mind, I was lost in sin. I was, John 8, 44, I was of my father the devil. That's how I was rolled in life. Why was I full of resentment and hate on my, I mean, like I treated my sister like, this is horrible. I mean, I just, why, why was I like that? Well, because I did the lust of my spiritual father. John 8, 44, why are you messed up from the floor up? Well, because you got the wrong spiritual daddy. That's where I was up until I was 12 years of age. And at that point, I believed on the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Bible says I was born again. I became a new creature in Christ. My old life has passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I become a new creation. Do you see that? Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. The the reality of who I am now in Christ is on the inside at the rapture of the church, I will be glorified, the the church will be glorified with Christ. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What is a New Testament born-again believer? They are a direct creation of God himself. As many as believe on him, to them, God gives the power to be called the sons of God. Why? I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. Without exception, when you see a son of God in your Bible, they're a direct creation of the Father. Is everybody with me so far? Okay, the only other time that this class of being, sons of God, shows up is here in Genesis chapter six. So which is it? Is it Adam, is it angels, or is it Christians in Genesis chapter six? Adam, it can't be Adam because he's dead at this point and he lost the title, son of God, at the fall in the garden, right? So it can't be Adam, can it be Christians? No Christians born again yet. It's Genesis chapter six, Jesus hasn't come yet. So one of these, you got it? Which, which class is it? Yeah, go ahead, you had your hand up. Which, which one is it, Adam, Christians, or angels? It's angels, that's it, that's right, right there, it's angels. Now you need to know there's a very popular theory on Genesis chapter six. It's a very popular theory that the sons of God here is actually the godly line of Seth intermarrying with the godless line of Cain. Okay, let's just put on our thinking caps. Uh, These are the daughters of men that the sons of God are taking. This Hebrew word that's translated men in Genesis chapter six, the sons of God saw the daughters of men. The Hebrew word for man is Adam, okay? It's still Adam. These are the daughters of Adam. So it's the daughters of Adam, not just Cain. Cain had both, or Adam had both Seth and Cain. They're both in the same family, you get that, right? Uh, Adam had daughters, that's where Cain got his wife. Uh, Thank God he had girls, right? Or the boys would be in trouble in terms of the mission, be fruitful, 
multiply, replenish the earth. The first guy that has a baby without a wife, it would have stopped, humanity would have stopped with Adam. Can't be done, okay? So there's a problem with this theory. Seth and Cain are both descendants of who? Of Adam. So they both have humans for offspring. What happens when you mate a human with a human? You get a, a human. But here in Genesis chapter six, they're having, they're having Percy Jackson as offspring and Hercules, little Hercules was born here in Genesis chapter six. So this is not describing the offspring of humans with humans. This is not Seth and his descendants intermarrying with the descendants of Cain. And if the sons of Seth were truly a godly line, then the most natural thing would be to call them the sons of Jehovah. Uh, That's who they're calling on in chapter four. But the sons of Seth do not represent a godly line. Even the messianic line, the line of generations leading up to Christ, that's not a godly line. There's never been a line of godly people ever in biblical history. Seth's godly line, Jesus' godly line. Okay, the Bible records their life. You study the genealogy leading up to Jesus and you've got adulterers, fornicators, sexual perverts, idolaters. You've got a professional whore in the heritage. You've got a Moabite that no Israelite should have ever married. There is no, in terms of biblical history, there is no such thing as a godly line in the flesh. Doesn't happen. And notice in Genesis six, there's no mixture of gender in this account. And why is it only sons of God marrying in the, in, in the line of Seth, if this is Seth, and why is it only daughters coming from the line of Cain? That's not how it works. This would be like, un, this would be like no other mixture of any two lines in history. In any set of humanity, you've got boys and girls coming up in that set in that people group, and what do they do? They intermarry, they, w- relationally we meld together, and one group takes sons and daughters from the other group, that's just the way that it works, mainly because you don't want all your kids growing up slow, <laughs> with a low IQ, you just don't want that. You, you, you know, it's, 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 it's better to, 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 to marry outside the gene pool. Okay, so, uh, the, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Why only the daughters of Seth? Why only the sons of Cain? Or I'm sorry, why only the sons of Seth? Why only the daughters of Cain? But notice they take of all they choose. So the girls don't have much choice in these marriages. They're being taken. And this phrase, sons of God, people will say, well, angels don't get married. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 22. We'll talk about this again in just a second. Jesus says in the resurrection they neither marry, believers don't marry, they're not given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Okay, see, angels don't marry. Well, okay, we'll come back to that. They're not supposed to marry, and we'll see why. It's not that they can't produce offspring. It's not what the Bible says. Offspring is still possible in the celestial, with the celestial body. You need to know this, angels always appear as males, never androgynous or sexless. Androgynous, that's your blank. A-N-D-R-O-G-Y-N-O-U-S, okay, androgynous. They're not sexless beings, they always appear as male. You'll never see a dudette angel. Sometimes in popular culture, it'll be some hot blonde is the way they'll draw it. 
Nope, you'll not find that. You'll never find a baby angel, little Cupid with his little wings and his little bow and arrow. That, that's not in scripture. It's always full-grown men. And in Genesis chapter 19, we'll get to another freaky passage, but the men of Sodom wanted to have homosexual relationships with the angels that God sent to rescue Lot and his family. The men of Sodom wanted to rape the angels that were coming to rescue Lot's family. And there's no other logical way to explain the following cross-references. Your New Testament doesn't make sense if these are not angels in Genesis chapter six. In Jude chapter one, Verse six says, and the angels which kept not their first estate. So they have a place, a way that they're to live. And so if this is in Genesis chapter six, you have no idea what Jude is talking about, what the passage is referring to. They didn't keep their first estate. They left their own habitation. There is a level and a place that they're to dwell. They don't keep it, they leave it. These he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto judgment of the great day. What is leaving their habitation? What's leaving their first estate? What does that look like? Okay, two most important words when you study your Bible are what? Like and as. So what is leaving my habitation? These angels leaving their habitation, leaving their, well, it's just like, verse seven, even as, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner. Well, what was that like? Well, here's how they rolled. Giving themselves over to sexual sin. Giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. Now remember, in Sodom and Gomorrah, we have men who are, who are trying to sexually, I mean, they're, gonna, they're, they're predators, right? They're gonna, they, they want the angels uh, that are going to rescue Lot's family. Strange flesh. It's, you know, m- my wife and I, we are one flesh, right? It's husband and wife, and the proof that we're one flesh is setting right there. Seth, can you stand up, just real quick? <laughs> just real quick, stand up. Turn around, do a, do a slow 360. Isn't he lovely? Okay. Half the genetic material that, can you turn around? No, let, let everybody see who you are. Okay, just, I want you to see. Half that, sl- slow down so people can see you. Just look back. <laughs> look that way. I tried to train up this child in the way that he should go. Um, okay, so half that face is mine, the other half is Cheryl's. We too are one flesh. Okay, now, if, so for, in terms of, you can sit down, please, just, yeah, take a load off. Okay, so, in terms of, you know, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid what? Fornication, get married. Let every husband have his own wife, every wife their own husband. Okay, so in terms of avoiding fornication, in terms of sexual fulfillment, there's one person on the menu for me. Her name is Cheryl Miles. Anybody else, for me, that's leaving my estate, my habitation, that's going after strange flesh. That's not on the menu. And that's what's being described here in the book of Jude. You've got angels, just like the wickedness in Sodom and Gomorrah, they're going after strange flesh, and they're set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. God takes a dim view on it. 
Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Okay, Peter says the same thing. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19. By the which also Jesus went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Okay, so we know people die, we put their bodies in the ground, and, and if they're not in Christ, absent from the body, for the believer is present with the Lord. But what happens to the unbelieving dead? Well, you get the example of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. His body's in the tomb, but he's actually in a place called hell. But you need to know that angels are also called spirits. They have celestial bodies. They're not terrestrial. They can take terrestrial form, but they're not terrestrial bodies. They're celestial beings. And the Bible calls them, specifically says, they are, they are, the angels are ministering spirits in Psalms 104, verse 4, and Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Just calls, right out calls them ministering spirits. Why? They're celestial beings. They're spiritual beings. And they were disobedient, verse 20. These spirits in prison. Whoa, what are we talking about? How did they disobey? Anytime you have a question, keep reading. This happened, their disobedience happened in Genesis chapter six, which once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Where did they disobey? When did they disobey? How did they disobey? Well, we know they disobeyed and they did it in the days of Genesis six. So Peter gives more information in his second epistle. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. There are false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness, they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Man, beware being a false teacher, because God views that the same way that he views. Look at the example that he gives. Verse four, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down into hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Okay, wait a minute, we just read about that. Where did we read about that? Angels that sin being kept in darkness and chains of darkness. Where did we read about that? What epistle was it? Yeah, so we're comparing scripture with scripture and, and Jude was talking about that. So they sinned. Well, why did they, when did this go down? What was the problem? Well, again, the context, he, he makes sure that we cannot miss it. Their sin took place in Genesis chapter six, verse five, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world, uh, the world of the ungodly. And just so you can't miss the nature of their sin, he gives the example of Sodom and Gomorrah again, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them, into ashes condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just, delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. So this is a, a warning to false teachers. Don't bring in false teaching that, lead, that leads people astray, that corrupts people from the truth of God's word. God will deal with that just like he dealt with some angels that sinned in Genesis chapter six. And just so that you can't miss the nature of their corruption, 
The, the, the parallel example is the perversion, the corruption of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis chapter 19. And then on top of all of that, you've got this sinister warning in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 10 says that we need to be under authority. And in the example of the female in the husband-wife relationship, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 10 says, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head. Why? Because of the angels. Why? Because the first couple, Adam and Eve, it was Adam's responsibility to, to tend and to keep, right? To till and to guard the Garden of Eden. Why? Well, because there was a, a serpent in the garden who can transform himself into an angel of light And what did he do? He led the woman astray with some false teaching and she listened to the wrong man. It was to the corruption of the the whole of humanity. A woman needs to be in her structure, in her role, because this is the warning of the New Testament, because of the angels. There are angels who can transform themselves as angels of light and they have a corrupted message. They have a false teaching that we have to stay accountable in order to avoid. Why? Well, Matthew chapter, I mean, Jesus said why, Matthew 24, 37. Just like it was in the days of Noah, that's what it'll be like before Christ comes. And what do you have in these last days? You have a fascination, there's a growing fascination with angelology. There's a, there's a growing fascination with deities. Uh, you, have, you have people who study angels, the names of angels, They've got trading cards, I mean the whole nine yards. They've got clubs and it's all about knowing the names of angels, knowing what they're doing, knowing their purpose. Uh, You've got people who are studying studying angels the way Christians ought to be studying the Bible. And then on top of that, there's a warning, and we'll look at this in a minute, but in Daniel chapter two, there's going to be entities who corrupt the human genome. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Uh, we need to, I mean, we need to be in our place because of the angels. And at the end of the day, there's no other way to explain the giants that came in after that. So in Genesis 6, verse 4, uh, you've got, you've got a, a clue or you've got a warning, you've got a prophecy that the giants of Genesis chapter six keep showing up. There were literal giants until the days of David. So the men are multiplying in verse one. Verse two, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. There were giants in the earth in the days of Genesis chapter six, and then also after that, when the sons of God, how do we get these giants? When the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, that's a reference to sexual intercourse, and they bare children to them, and the children, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And what was the result? Verse five, and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So there you have it. I mean, you've got the New Testament confirming in Jude and First and Second Peter 
that the sinners, the corruptors in Genesis chapter 6, they're angels. It's the Old Testament view and in traditional, it's the traditional rabbinical view and rabbinical literature. It supports the view of it being angels in Genesis chapter 6. The early church fathers held that view and there are many modern scholars that will hold the same view. Uh, Bullinger, Arthur Pink, Clarence Larkin, Pember, uh, Henry Morris, even uh, um, uh, Merrill Unger, Unger himself would, would teach this view. So it's not an unusual view. You need to know. Now, the, the common scholar-based view would be Seth and Cain, their lines got together, and that's where the corruption came from. When we look at, Mo, or when we look at Noah, we find out he alone, his family, has an uncorrupted set of generations. He is upright. He's pure in his genealogies and his generations. So what we're seeing here in Genesis chapter 6 is a corruption of the human genome. And this mating causes offspring that are giants. The word that's translated giant in your Bible is the word Nephilim. You've probably heard that term. Uh, if you watch the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, you know, you've got these um, ancient alien series, okay? That, that's, that's all that is. That's, that's rebellious angels coming, and, and, uh, and giants are the result. The, the Greek, right, the, septu- the Septuagint rendering of this word Nephilim is where we get our word Titan. It's the interbreeding of the Greek gods with humanity that gives us the demigods, um, also after that, they're coming. Also after that. The phrase here is, in those days, the sons of God take these daughters of men. And so there's a doctrinal trigger there. There's a doctrinal marker there, right? That sets the doctrinal context. And so prophetically, it's pointing indirectly, but it's, I mean, Jesus made it very clear, the connection very clear in Matthew, as it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be just like that in the days preceding Christ's coming. So it's pointing to the coming time of tribulation and the millennial reign of Christ. And so Jesus makes that point in Matthew 24. It will be just like Genesis 6 before Christ's coming. So in those days, there was a corrupted human genome. And then also after that, you've got literal giants in the earth even until the days of David. And there are more to come. Here's what you need to know. Mankind has always been waiting for these gods to return. Okay? Mankind's always been looking for the demigods to rule among men. In the days of David, there, you can't just say it's spiritual giants or spiritual men of renown. No, they're literal physical giants described. Numbers 13, Deuteronomy chapter 3, Joshua chapter 17, David and Goliath, 1 Samuel chapter 17. It gives you the height of some of these giants. They're actual, literal, physical giants. Well, that's what mankind is looking for. We're looking for the supernatural. Even in the early days of the church, people were waiting for the gods to return and rule among us. In Acts chapter 14, Verse 11 says, when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in the speech of Laconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and and Paul. They called Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. The gods have come. What we've been waiting for, it's finally happened. Okay, you need to know this. There There are 
in this modern world that we live in, there are a lot of people who would consider themselves deists. And their view is, is we'll never know the creator. I mean, obviously there's a creator because we have creation. And, uh, but he's so big, he's so powerful. You are to him what bacterium in your gut is to you, okay? It's a good thing that it's there, but you'll never have a personal relationship with the bacteria in your gut. Okay, that's what you are to the creator. He knows about you, he's glad about you, but you're never gonna have a personal relationship with him. But the demigods, right, the, 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 rather the lesser gods, uh, those you can implore, you can actually beseech to move on your behalf. And, and so these would be what show up in the, 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 the uh, mythologies of all ancient civilizations. How many took a, a Greek mythology module in your Western Civ class in fourth or fifth grade. You guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe you took another round of it in junior high or something. Not a lot of that. So older people, do they, do they still teach the mythology? Okay, so in every civilization, they have all these same stories. These lesser gods, not, not, the, not the chaos of creation, you'll never have a relationship with that, but these lesser gods, these deities, came down and they and the stories are all the same. I mean, look at Zeus, he's such a horn dog. Every time he turns around, there's some gal he can't resist, and, and then he's producing these human hybrid offspring. And look at little Hercules, man, he's so cute, he's so adorable. They made a cartoon movie about him, he's so great. Okay, so these are mighty, these are giants, these are mighty men, men of renown. This is, these deists are looking for the return of the days of Atlantis, okay? Atlantis, how did, how, did, how did Atlantis go down? Anybody remember what happened to Atlantis? It got flooded, didn't it? Uh, the stories are all the same, it's Genesis chapter six. What was Atlantis? Atlantis was the epic, it was the pinnacle of humanity when the gods ruled among men. Okay, well, that civilization got flooded, that was an overthrow but there are people, these deists are longing for the return of the gods to rule among men. We gotta get back to Atlantis. They're, they're, they're longing for the return of Nimrod, Osiris, to rule over men. Because we'll, we'll never be better than, than having a demigod ruling over us. Literally, these deists are longing for the return of the Antichrist. Okay, well, there's a prophetical overview. In Daniel chapter two, listen to what the Bible says, verse 41. Daniel is cluing in Nebuchadnezzar. You had a dream about the civilizations of humanity until the time of Christ ruling and reigning in his ultimately never-ending kingdom, okay? And what starts as a kingdom of gold, it devolves down into a kingdom of clay and iron. And he says, whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes of part of potter's clay and part of iron, the last kingdom, the last civilization before Christ will be divided but there shall be in it the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the mire clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Okay, so all of a sudden, in the last kingdom, they, there's always they, What's wrong with the world? Well, you know, they. <laughs> okay, you got this hanging pronoun 
and whoever they are, they're not men, and they have a seed, and they mingle it with the seed of men, and it causes corruption. They won't cleave one to another. So you've got this hanging pronoun, they. Clay represents man. Man was taken from the clay of the ground. Adam, man, means made from clay, red clay. So the clay is the man. Iron, okay, iron is associated with the satanic kingdom. It's always, it, you'll see it associated with the uh, types of the Antichrist. We already saw this in the person of Cain himself, right? The first prophecy was that the seed of the woman would destroy Satan, it would crush his head. And so the first baby that's born, Adam and Eve name him what? Cain, they name him Lance, right? It's, it's, it's forged in iron is what this word Lance means. It's like a spearhead. He is gonna be the, 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 the Satan head crusher, <laughs> okay? And instead he crushed his little brother's head uh, it was an accurate name, but, uh, but not what they hoped. Iron is associated with the kingdom, the satanic kingdom of Antichrist. Now, historically, there's a connection with Israel as a nation not having mingled seed. The pagan nations, they were instructed not to intermarry with them. Pagans could become part of the children of Israel, and God made provision for that, and then they could marry, but they had to do it God's way. But you can't have unlawful marriages. But you need to know this, the heavens are unclean in God's sight and the world is being prepared for an extraterrestrial invasion. Mark it down, the gods are coming back, both, both bad, both corruptors and good. Good is your next blank. Hebrews 13, two says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. The Bible says there are people who have been hospitable to angels and they didn't know it. That has actually happened on this planet. And this is an instruction to believers. Be careful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. The lost man is saying we need the return of the gods. We're looking for mighty men, men of renown. And so here is the, here is the germ of truth behind all ancient mythology. Right, there is a, in every culture, you've got the same stories that you learned in Greek mythology. They've all got their Zeus character, right? They've all got their Hades character. There's always some Zeus character that got with women and produced a bunch of Hercules and Percy Jacksons. I mean, the Nephilim are the offspring, the giants, these mighty ones. So these, these gods, these sons of God, these deities come down these are the Prometheans, okay? That's your next blank, Prometheans. You guys know the story of Prometheus. Anybody remember the story of Prometheus? Okay, so what do you have? I mean, really, when you, when you boil them all down together, what do you have? You've got, you basically got in Prometheus a, a Lucifer character uh, who is despised by the Jesus character because he brought what to mankind? He brought the knowledge, right? He brought fire to mankind. So in mythology, the Jesus part of, of the pantheon of gods, they're against uh, mankind progressing. And Prometheus, uh, he gets a bad rap because all he wanted to do was improve mankind's lot and so he brings knowledge, he brings fire so that man can advance himself. 
And that's the way Lucifer still represents himself today. This would be the, the framework that modern Luciferians view the, the Jesus-Lucifer dynamic. They say Lucifer's getting a bad rap. He just wants mankind to be blessed with knowledge. And Jesus wants to hold out on you. <laughs> okay, so what do they do? These gods come, and if you'll read the, if you'll read the, I mean, there are some apocryphal books that talk about this time, the book of Enoch, the book of Jasher. Uh, what you find out is these demigods, these sons of God, bring the sins and the secrets of the gods. It's a Promethean enterprise. They risk the wrath of Almighty God to bring fire on earth to benefit man. This is the time of the story of Pandora who opened the box, right? The box that brought the plagues of trouble upon mankind. And that's exactly what did happen. The offspring is evil and it's turning all of mankind evil. What happened to corrupt the whole of humanity where his heart is only evil continually? Well, get it down. It's the byproduct of this unholy union, these marriages from hell between angels and women. Fallen angels are the problem. And that's always the problem. Brothers, sisters, believe not every spirit. Try the spirits. We gotta keep the focus right. This is why, this is why the Discovery Channel the History Channels are making so much money on ancient astronaut stories because there's something to this. Mankind is longing for the engineers to come back, the ones that said they made us. And I'm telling you, when they do, man, fallen angels. Can I just tell you something? Uh, there is a lie coming. Uh, when I was a young man, I would, I would use the rapture of the church in my witness uh, just to explain that, that there may only be today uh, there may only be today, and if I had the right scenario, I, 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 still, I, I, I would still pull this out. It's a great tool. Uh, you may only have today to confess Christ as Lord and Savior because Christ is coming very soon. But as a young man, what I would hear people say is, you know, Sam, I don't know if I believe you, but I'll tell you this. If you and all the Christians, all the professing Christians, disappear in a moment, in an instant, in one event, well then I'll believe on the gospel. I'll recognize everything that you're saying is true, and I'll confess my sin, and I'll cry out for God's mercy and forgiveness and salvation. Guess what? No, you won't. Second Thessalonians chapter two says, those who are left behind, uh, those who are after the rapture of the church, they will believe the lie of the Antichrist. And basically, how do you explain the disappearance of all Christians, all Bible thumpers, in a way that everyone is relieved that they, that they weren't taken with them? Well, ancient astronauts. Okay, so, yeah, they're, they're, they took them all and they're re-educating them at Alpha Centauri. They're, they're feeding them to their space dogs on Xylon 5, whatever it is, right? It's be like, oh man, I'm so glad I wasn't messed up with all those kooky cults and the, and, the, and, and the gods are gonna be saying things like, humanity will never ascend, will never, will never actualize the fullness of the age of Aquarius. You get that, we're in the age of Aquarius now, right? Like any minute, we're gonna start talking to dolphins and we're gonna, like, we're gonna transcend, okay? Humanity can't do it with all these literal Bible-believing, Bible-thumping Jesus followers. We had to go re-educate them harshly somewhere else. 
And you'll be, if you're left behind, you'll be like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't listen to that raving lunatic at 40th and Walnut. I'm so glad, I, I'm so glad I wasn't taken. If you don't submit to the truth today, you'll buy the lie tomorrow. Here's the issue, you've got sons of God, these celestial angelic beings that are leaving their first estate and they're going after strange flesh. It's strange to them, they're in rebellion against God. Again, Jesus said in Matthew 22 verse 29, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God, for in the resurrection, in the resurrection of God's people, they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are as the angels of God in heaven. The issue here is a isn't that the angels can't have sex, they're just not supposed to. And these sons of God did not want to submit to their habitation, to their place, their estate, so they rebelled. And Jude and Peter could not be more clear. So what does that mean for today? We covered a crazy concept in biblical history. What does that mean for today? Well, can I just tell you, beware. Because in the last days, these celestial sons of God will be added again. Colossians chapter two gives you the warning. Christian, listen, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of, what is it? The gods, these sons of God, these sons of Elohim, and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. God wants my life in submission to his will and his word. The, the, rebel, the, the rebels, the rebellious ones, they're saying stand in the place of God as God. Show yourself that you're God. We're on the cusp of a singularity where you may be a moron with health problems but pretty soon you'll know everything. You can do everything and you can do it forever. Yesterday we started out as, a, as sludge, as proteins, as a single-celled organism but look at us now. We're in charge of our own evolution what happens in the last days? In the last days before the flood came, the whole of the human genome was corrupted. What's happening in these last days? Well, human genome hacking and fixing and programming is big business, isn't it? Uh, we're going to take charge of our own evolution. That is the mind of a lost man. What's our focus? What does it need to be? Verse 19, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. I only want for my life what God has on the menu, amen? And that's what I wanna do in terms of training up my children. We need to want what God has for us. If there's gonna be increase in our life, let it be the word of God being made reality over our life. Marvel and DC Comics, right? They're working to prep you for I mean, fantastic days that are coming. Don't fall for it, it's all a demonic lie. Now I'm not saying it's demonic to watch you know, Iron Man and, and the Thor series, they're, they're, they're enjoyable stories. But let me tell you something, it's prepping you to fall for it when it does show up. There's a day coming when Thor or somebody like him will show up because as it was in the days of Noah, that's what it'll be in the days before Christ comes to rule and reign. So what do you do? Mom, dad, Proverbs 22, verse six tells you, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Recognize there's a battle for the mind, there's a battle for, your, for, for, for our children, both physical and spiritual. We need to train them up. 
Paul warns the church in 2 Timothy chapter four. Verse one says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and dead at his appearing in his kingdom. What do we need to do? We, verse two, we need to invest the word of God in the souls of men. Why? Because verse three, there are some that will not endure what the Bible says. They will not endure sound doctrine. Instead, because they want what they want the way that they want it, they will, after their own lust, heap to themselves teachers. Their ears itch. They want to be told what they want to hear. They don't care about hearing the truth. Watch this now. And shall be turned unto fables. So, church, ministers, watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Invest the word of God in the souls of men. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Paul says, I did that, verse six. Uh, My ministry's about over, he said. Watch this now. Verse seven, I have fought the good fight. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What's the result of getting what God has for you in life? Watch this now. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Man, do you see that? In the last days before Christ comes, we must be rooted in the word of God. Let's not fall for fables, right? Let's make sure that we're doing the work that God calls us to because there are lying spirits and they're only compounding in the last days before Christ comes. And some of these lies are very attractive and they look very good to the fleshly nature, fleshly logic, the desires of the flesh. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need to train up our children, both physical and spiritual. We need to invest the word of God in the souls of men because when we have the mind of Christ, guess what our attitude is? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm not looking for antichrist. I'm not looking to stand in the place of God as God so that I'm in charge of my destiny. I am in charge of my development my future. No, I'm not looking for antichrist. I'm looking for Christ. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Man, if you know the Lord, he is good. If you've got to walk with God, well, that's all you want to do forever. There's a crown of righteousness waiting for those that love his appearing. Uh, We went over. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to dismiss. Before I pray for you, let me just make a couple points. We're getting ready to start two and a half weeks of prayer and fasting. Uh, We waited until today to get rolling because yesterday was the Women in Missions Conference. We didn't want anything to mess that up because they were going out to eat that night. And then we got to wrap up whenever we get to uh, the end of the month because of the college and young adult retreat. We don't want them eating bark uh, on retreat. Okay, so two and a half weeks of prayer and fasting. Uh, We're going to trust the Lord to give us souls. We're going to trust the Lord to see souls saved. We want disciples and so this Tuesday, we're gonna be focused on that. Um, I don't, what's the family meal this Tuesday night? What? Grill night, praise the Lord. Probably on, on a fraction of the diets. Um, we'll, we'll see. Hey, let the Lord lead you in terms of a fast, okay? Uh, for some of you, that'll be fasting entertainment. Others, you'll be cutting out sugar. Some will do the Daniel fast. Some of you, you'll, you know, you'll cut meat or something. Some of you, you'll do intermittent fasting. Um, if you're gonna do a hard fast of any length, 
Um, make sure you're doing that with some wisdom, um, maybe with some help, okay? Um, but um, we need God to do what only God can do in the lives of his people. Uh, so that's this week, okay? We'll see you this Tuesday. And then, um, let's be praying. I know that the enemy, these lying spirits are at work, and we, want, we don't want to give any ground to spiritual wickedness. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll dismiss. Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters, you would bless us. Help us to be wise about what, what evil is going on. Help us to be aware and to recognize that there is spiritual wickedness in high places. They, that there are lying spirits with the goal of getting us tripped up in our faith. God, help us to do the work that you called us to. We need, we're called to be people of your book. And so, Lord, uh, to walk with you is to walk in your word. Uh, to know you is to know your word. And, Lord, to, to have that knowledge is to, is to desire that walk, to desire that for eternity. Lord, we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for moms and dads that you give them wisdom uh, to train their children in the truth so that they won't fall for the lies of the world. For disciples, help them give give them give them latitude, Lord. Give them ability to be able to to communicate your truth and love, Lord. Help us to promote and protect uh, the truth and and the lives of our brothers and sisters. You give every member the responsibility to edify the body of Christ. And so, Lord, thrive, my brothers and sisters, in that work. I pray today in Jesus' name. Amen.